Okay, we are up to uh, three lo- three words from the end of Samach Amid Beis. So let me explain what this first Amid is going to be dealing with. We said in the Mishnah yesterday, the first Amid to the Mishnah is dealing with the following uh, concept. We said in the Mishnah yesterday that if a man says to a woman, Mekadosh me on condition I have a base core of land, uh, one acre, I'll just pick uh, terms we're familiar with, one acre of land, so if you have an acre, good. If you don't have an acre, you're not married. Easy, pretty simple. The question is, what if you have, what if there's like pits in the land? Ten foot tvachim pits, full pits, or giant rocks. So they're not plantable. Does that, is that counted towards the acre? Or does, when a person says an acre, does he mean an acre of land that is sort of usable? Or no, an acre is an acre. I have an acre. Huh? What if you have a, a divot, a cleft? Like the, the field goes like that. So the question is, does that count? Is it, does it count as part of it or not? So, because it could be when the woman, the, the man says a, a base core, he means a base core of usable land. So the truth is, so we're going to analyze this. We're going to bring down the halacha by Hegdish, which is one thing. The halacha by Mechira, which is another thing. And then we're going to try to figure out what's the halacha by Kedushin. Is it comparable to A or B? Okay, let's see this inside. Gabi Hegdishtan. The, the Gemara says the, this is the last two words of uh, Samacha and Beis. Gabi Hegdishtan, regarding Hegdish, the halacha is as follows. The halacha is if I'm Magdish, a, a field that belonged to my family, an ancestral field, there's a special halacha that you do not redeem it. And you want to buy it back. You realize it was a mistake. I want it part of the family. So you could redeem it. And give the money to Hegdish. There's a special halacha that you do not redeem it based on market value. Every base core you have to give 50 shekel. That's it. Regardless of whether it's a good field or bad field. That's the Xeris HaKosov. So the Mishnah says, Gabi Hegdish it says regarding Hegdish. Hamagdish If you're Magdish, your field, an ancestral field, during the times where Yoival applies, okay, and you want to buy it back, the halacha is, Noisin Chamishim Shekel For every base core, you have to give 50 silver shekels. That's the halacha. It doesn't matter the market value. Now, when there is no yoival, then you just buy it back market value. Okay, fine. That's the gzeris hakosa. Not, not for now. Now, so I'm, I, I'm actish this field, so I gotta go, I just have to do every base core, I mark it <coughs> off, 50 shekel base core, 50 shekel, 50 shekel. So, there it is. So, it says like this, Ha'inakam amukim asaratvachim, so let's say you're measuring out this field to try to figure out, you're trying to redeem it for a base core, and it has a mukim. Hold on, I haven't said it. <laughs> we haven't started yet. Yeah, your Magdisha field, if you want to redeem it, it doesn't go based on market value. Every base core, you have to give 50 shekel. Okay. So your Magdisha field, you're going around base core, 50 shekel, base core, 50 shekel, base core, 50 shekel. Hayu nekayim asarat you have pits, clefts, that are ten tefachim deep. Or you have rocks that are ten tefachim high. The halach is einim dadam ima. They do not count. And how, by the way, but they're still holy. It's still hegdish. So those you pay market value. So meaning, so the rest of the field, you do 50 shekel, 50 shekel, 50 shekel. The big rocks and the clefts, you mark it, add them up, sell the market value of those plots of land. Yeah, but 50 shekel is like a knasif. It's a, no, it's a It's not a knasif. If you want to get it, redeem it. That's a No, 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 it's a
Every every field can't be valued at fifty shekel for a base court. The Torah says if you want to redeem it, this is what you need to pay. It's the will of God. Because if you were to wait till Yovel, you get it back for free. This way, if you want to get it before you, get it for a I rather don't think. I, I actually don't think it goes to you. I thought it goes to the Kehanim. I rather think it goes to the Kehanim, if I'm not Does mistaken. It go back to your family? No, I think it goes to the Kehanim, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> Once you're back to Sheffield, it's out of your uh, Yovel. It'll just go to the Kehanim, if I'm not mistaken. But like 99% sure. Okay. Anyway, it's exactly cost, whatever. The rocks and the clefts that you just uh, you do market value. Okay. Now before we put that aside, let's just analyze this. Why is it that the rocks in the fields, do you do market value? Why don't you do, uh, why don't you also do 50 core based on the percentage? Meaning, if 50 core for one, 50 shekel for one core, so why, instead of the rocks and the clefts doing market value, why don't you just do this? Market and be like, okay, it's a quarter core, so a quarter of 50 shekel. Why don't, why don't you still use the, the, the payment method of 50 shekel in, and just do it uh, proportioned. That's, that's the Gemara's kasha. Have you know, we ask a question. I understand that the clefts and the rocks cannot be counted in the regular base core, but but they should be their own cheshben, meaning instead of doing market value, you should do, well, if this cleft is a quarter core, so it should be a quarter 50 shekel, half a core, half a shekel. Like why, why don't we use the same methodology? And the Gemara entertains. The Gemara says, well, maybe the reason why is because it has to be a core, meaning... It's not like, there is no percentages. It's either a core equals 50. There's no half a core equals half 50. The problem is that's not true. Meaning the Gemara is trying to figure this out. I have this cleft in the rock that's a half a core size. What's the halacha? You don't pay 25 shekel. You do market value. You figure out the market value of this area. Bah, 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 bah. I don't know how you'd figure it out. I don't know if you do the market value of a field in this area, of a rock. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, you do market value. So the Gemara wants to know, why do you do market value? Why don't you just do, if it's a half a core, do a half of 50 shekel. And the Gemara says, and if you want to say that maybe the whole cheshbin of the core equals 50 shekel, there is no percentages. It's all or nothing. The problem is that's not true. And if you want to say it's all or nothing, it's either a core for 50 shekel or nothing. The problem is that's not true. Or many. The Bryce says so. The Bryce says if you're redeeming a field, it's a core for 50 shekel. The Pasuk says that you do a core for 50 shekel. I only know if it's a full core. These are all small strips, like half acre, quarter acre, half a mile. These letech, chatsi letech. Saw, tarkiv, chatsi tarkiv. Afil roiva. All these different measurements. How do you know that you do the percentages of 50 core? You just figure out the math. You convert it. 50 core is 50, a core is 50 shekels. So a tarkiv, which is like a quarter core, will be a quarter, 50 whatever it is. Minayin tamalever sada, mikamakam. That you figure out whatever the field size is. So the question is so why is it that if you have a cleft in the, floor, in the ground or a rock, do you not do the 50 shekel? Uh, percentage ratio. So the Gemara says, The answer is, we should. But these clefts are filled with water. Meaning, if the clefts are empty, they're pits, you could still use it. Yeah, I, I don't know what you, you can't necessarily plant classic stuff, but I'm sure you could plant some things in a pit. The cases where the pits are filled with water. So because the pits are filled with water, they're not considered part of the field. Now, Okay, so they have to be ten tefachim, so it's a different domain, and filled with water to be a different cheshbon. Now, what if it's eight tefachim and filled with water? Why don't you say the same thing? I mean, it's filled with water, I can't plant in it. It's eight tefachim, it's part of the field. What's the difference between eight and ten? And the Gemara says, 
Well, they cannot be done to me this long That it makes sense that it has to be filled with water because it has to be like a rock. The same way a rock is not plantable, so too the pit has to be filled with water, not plantable. But it has to be ten tvachim. So what if it's eight tvachim? Well, that's part of the field. What's the difference? So the Gemara says, Hanu That's called basins of the land, meaning in people's perception, that's part of the land. Lands go up and down. That makes sense. You know, listen, you have a, a plot of land, there's a puddle. You can say, I can't plant there. That's part of the land. Part of the land is that it has some puddles. That, that's not... So under ten tvachim, it's considered part of the uh, part of the plant, part of the land. More than ten tzvachim is a different domain. Okay. What do you see by Hegdish? When it comes to Hegdish, if I were to ask you, if you're trying to figure out a base core, what's considered base core? So you'd say the only thing that's not considered base core is ten tzvachim and filled with water. You need both. Okay, that's by Hegdish. Fine. Now let's go by sales. The halacha is that if I sell you a base core, I cannot count the pits that are ten tefachim deep, even if they're not filled with water. Meaning, by hegdish, for it to be considered excluded, it has to be ten tefachim and filled with water. By sales, it's not like that. If you told me that you, you said, I'm selling you in my backyard, you could take an acre of land, I do not have to take the pits that are ten tefachim, even though they don't fill with water. So wouldn't hegdish you have to measure the depth of... If you want to redeem it. If you want to leave it, you can leave it. But yeah, if you want to redeem it, you'll have to measure the depth. you have to see, is it filled with water? you have to do all of these things. But the point is, by Mechira, it's not like that. By Mechira, the halacha is, as long as it's ten tvachim, it's not counted. Meaning you can't give me, if, I, if you sold me an acre of land, I deserve an acre without the pits. No ten tvachim pits. Even if it's not filled with water. What's the difference? Why is it that by Hegdish, it needs to be filled with water? Because it has to be considered unplantable. So Mechira, it should also have to be filled with water. The answer is very simple. My time, I'm Papa. The answer is, when I'm plowing my field, ten tefachim deep, I have to now go down. I have to, you know, bring uh, another uh, pitchfork. Another, it's a, it's a hassle. Yes, technically, if it's ten tefachim deep and it's not filled with water, it's plantable. But when I'm buying something from you, I don't think that I'm buying something that'll make my life a headache. It's a headache to have to deal. Like, let's say you have a pit. It's very very deep. It's very very long. You could plant carrots there perfectly. But it's ten tefachim deep. So now I have to plant over here. I have to pay a different farmer, a different worker to go. That's a headache. Why, why, why would I do that? So by mechira, we go in people's perception. And people's perception is, I, I don't want anything ten tefachim deep. So by hegdish, it has to be ten tefachim deep and filled with water. By mechira, ten tefachim deep is already chutz. Lamachana. So the question is, when it comes to kedushin, I'm akdish and isha, and I say on condition that I have a base core, I have an acre of land. <laughs> Right? You check the acre. If it has ten tefachim and water, avada doesn't count. Because that doesn't even count by hegdish. The question is, what if I'm agdish isha, and we check, I have a base core, but you have to count the ten tefachim deep pits, they're not filled with water. So by mechira, no good. By hegdish, good. So the question is, what is kedushin like? Is kedushin more like hegdish, or more like mechira? So the Gemara says, Hachamai, what's the law with kedushin? Lehegdish midaminun? Do we compare kedushin to hegdish? And by hegdish, a ten tefachim pit without water is acceptable. So to by Kedushin, you could count the ten tefachim pit as acceptable as well. Mm-hmm. Or or do you compare it to Mechira? And by Mechira, it's no good. So to by Kedushin, it's no good. <coughs> so that's the question. So the Gemara says, 
It makes sense that it would work. Why? What's the whole Indian? Why is it that when I buy lands from you, and you're showing me the acre, and there's a big pit, a giant pit, 10 12 deep, goes all the way down. We said it doesn't work. Why? It's not filled with water. You could plant it. Because the average person says, ah, yeah, but that's a headache for me. I'm pl- I don't want to, I have to now get a second farmer. I have to get a second thresher. It's a, it's a whole headache. I don't want to do that. The question is by Kedushin, she's not working the field. She just wants to know that she'll have food. Yeah? You're the one working the field. So you'll tell her, I'll plant it. By Kedushin, by Kedushin, she just wants to make sure that she'll be taken care of financially. If the pits are 10 tvachim deep and you can plant in it. So yes, by Mechira it doesn't work because it's a headache. But she's not the one planting. She just wants to make sure that she'll be financially taken care of. And the husband says, I'll plant. So by Kedushin, we assume the average woman doesn't care. That's the point. By Mechira you care because you're the farmer. <laughs> the farmer is the one, it's up to him, his akbada. But by Kedushin, she's not the one farming. She just wants to make sure that her future husband will take care of her financially. Oh, he's got a base core of land, I'll be fine. He, he's saying a base core, it has to be exactly what he says. Well, it has to be at least of what he says. It has to be at least of what he says. The point is, it is a base core if you are willing to plant, if you're willing to work. It's a base core if you you so got to work. Care. Correct, she's not the one working. She's not the one working, she doesn't care. But the whole thing, I don't understand the whole story. The first thing we learned was, kicha, kicha, misneatro. Okay. So yeah, but Kedushin is still contingent on her mindset. The mindset is not necessarily going to be the same by Mechira and Kedushin. No, I understand that. But even with Kedushin, right? If I'm, if 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 I, we we have this constantly throughout the Masechta, the pleasure that I have, that's enough to make Kedushin. That doesn't work by Mechira. Kedushin, yes, I, the the concepts. There's like the Iker Takana, then there's the Tzura Takana. The Tzura Takana is still, it's, it's totally in her das, her rotsin. Her rotsin is to be willing to accept this, even though by Kedushin, by Mechira, she wouldn't be. But she's not the one doing it. That's the point. It's up to the husband. The husband's the one working. Okay. New topic. Now let me explain this concept uh, outside, and then we'll see it inside. When Kalal Yisrael were entering Israel, every Jewish Shevet has a chelik of Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Menashe, uh, was it? It was Agod, Ruven, and Chatzis Shevet Menashe wanted to stay outside of Israel. Okay. So they asked Moshe Rabbeinu for permission. Moshe Rabbeinu said, here's the deal. If you go and fight, I will give you that land. If you do not go and fight, you will not get that land. Okay. The question is, why did he have to say that second part of the statement? He said, if you go and fight, you'll get the land. I could figure out that if I don't go and fight, I won't get the land. So why did he say that second aspect of the stipulation? Rav Meir sees, says, you see from this, every stipulation has to be kuffled. Kofel meaning, you're right, Rameir says, the second statement of Moshe was superfluous, but it was to teach you that whenever you make a stipulation in halacha, for it to be legitimate, it has to be double. Meaning, if you want to make a stipulation with me, you have to say, I marry to you if I give you 200 zuz, and if I don't give you 200 zuz, I'm not married to you. You have to say both the positive and the negative. If you just say one side, although... I could figure it out. It doesn't work. It's like Zeres HaKasav, Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching you that for a Tanai, it has to be a Tanai Kafel. Why? Because our mayor Svar is, why else is Moshe Rabbeinu saying that second statement? It's unnecessary. And therefore it's necessary, it's extra to teach you Tanai Kafel. Let's see the mission inside. Rameer Oimer. Call Tanai Tanai. Any stipulation for it to be legitimate, by the way, if the stipulation is not legitimate, it just means you're married. Uh, if you say, according to Rameir, if I say to a woman, 
I didn't do the tonight. I didn't do the double. So it's not a good stipulation. So it's not that the marriage doesn't happen. No, the marriage has happened. I don't have to give any money. Meaning, the marriage still happens. It's the tnai is no good. The stipulation falls away. Okay. So, says Rav Meir, Shenemar, right? If you enter Israel, you'll get the land outside of Israel. And if you don't, then you won't. So, therefore, both the second statement is unnecessary. It's extra. Why is it extra? Extra to teach you, you need to say the double lashon. Okay, that's Rav Meir's take. Rav Hanania ben Gamliel, Rav Hanina ben Gamliel has a different take. He says, no, you don't have to. You don't need a double tnai. That's ridiculous. I, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say the second lashon? I'll tell you why. It wasn't, it wasn't extra. He wasn't telling it to you so that for the rest of history you know that every tnai has to be like this. He was, he was telling you because of the following. He had to say the second statement. Why? Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu says to... I'm going to stop you. I'm going to say the first statement and then I'll stop. Moshe Rabbeinu says to these two and a half Shvatim, if you fight for us, you will get the land outside of Israel. Stop. Rameir says, you could pretty obviously figure out, and if you don't, then you won't. Says if you didn't finish the statement, you know what I would think? Let's say they didn't fight. What would they get? What would they get if they didn't fight? So, says I would think they get nothing. I would think they forfeit even their share in Israel. Meaning every Shevet gets a share in Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, if you fight for us, you'll get land. Stop. If you would have stopped right there, I could argue that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, if you don't fight for us, not only are you not getting land outside of Israel, you're not even getting land in Israel. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to say the second statement, not to teach you anything about a Tanai B'nei Gad B'nei Reuven, but to tell you that if they don't enter Israel, they'll still at least get the land. Meaning, if you fight for us, you'll get the land outside of Israel, and if not, you won't get the land outside of Israel, but you will get the land inside of Israel. So the second statement is not, is not superfluous, it's not extra, it's to tell you that. So it's, a, it's an interesting back and forth. According to Rechanim Gamliel, the second, according to Rameir, the second statement is to teach you that, you'll, that you need a Tanai Kafel. According to Rechanim Gamliel, the second statement is to teach you that they're going to get land inside Israel. Okay. Says the Gemara. So let's start the Gemara. That's a very good Taina. That's a very good Taina. Rechanim Gamliel, it's like a, it's a knockout punch to Rameir. Rameir is saying the second statement is, is extra to tell you, Tanai Kafel. Says, no, it's not. It's to teach you that if you don't enter Israel, you still get a share in Eretz Israel. That's a good point. So Shapir Kamer That's a good kasha. So what, what does Rameir have to respond to that? So Rameir says, If what you're saying is correct, that the whole second statement is to teach you that if they don't fight, they'll still get a share in Israel, you don't have to say the second apostle entirely. You could have said, you could have said the second pasuk. You could have said that you will get land within the midst, within Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Kenan. Go to the next page, Lamali. The words Eretz Kenan are extra. Meaning, what is the purpose of the second pasuk? Rameir feels the second pasuk's purpose is to teach you tonight kafel. It's completely extra. The entire pasuk is extra. Says Rav the pasuk is not extra. If not for this pasuk, I would say that they forfeit the. If they don't fight, they forfeit. They don't get anything. Zero fs. Zero. That's a good time. So Rameir says, no. if what you're saying is correct, you don't have to say the words Eretz Kanan. 
The words Eretz Kenan, if you actually look at the Pasuk, it's mirror imaging. The second Pasuk is mirror imaging the first. Because Ramayr's point is, it's a Tanai Kafel. The Pasuk has to say the positive, and then the negative in the exact same way. The words Eretz Kenan, he says, says, if what you're saying is correct, the whole second Pasuk is to teach you that if they don't fight, they still get land in Israel, you could have said, you'll get land in our midst. Why do you have to say Eretz Kenan? Because you wanted the Pasukim to mirror image each other. How does Rechanina Begamliel respond to that? Because he's saying, again, Ramey is saying the whole second Pasuk is still extra. The words Eretz Kanan are extra. Because without the words Eretz Kanan, I would figure out that if you don't fight, you get land in Israel. Says Rechanina Begamliel, Eloi Kasa Rechanina Begamliel, Kanan, Havamina, Menosu, Besechem, Beretz Gilad. Alberetz Kanan, Klalo. You know what Rechanina Begamliel says? You're right. If not for the second Pasuk, if not for the words Eretz Kanan, I would definitely know that. They, uh, Rav Chaim originally said, if not for the second pasuk, I would think that if they don't fight, they get nothing. Rameir says, no way. The second pasuk could be written in a way you don't have to have the whole second pasuk. To that, Rav says, I agree with you, but this is how I would think. This is how I would think. If you fight, you'll get the land outside of Israel. If you don't fight, you'll get land outside of Israel, but only your shevet size, meaning. Let's say in Israel, you're getting a twelfth of Israel, right? Each Shvatim is getting a twelfth. If you fight, you get all the land outside of Israel. If you don't fight, you don't get anything in Israel. You get land outside of Israel, but you only get a twelfth of the size that you want. Because B'Sayichachem just means in our midst, meaning you'll get land where you want, but it'll be like it's in our midst. The same way in our midst is a twelfth. You'll get a twelfth of Israel. This, you'll get a twelfth of the land of, uh, of uh, outside of Eretz Israel. They wanted the whole area. So Hashem, maybe he was saying, this is how you could have read the Pasuk. If not for the words Eretz Canaan, I would say, you're, if you don't fight, you still get what you want. You're not getting in Israel, you'll get outside of Israel. But you're not getting the whole thing. You'll get a 12. Much bigger. Much bigger. Than, than for what they would have gotten in Israel. For sure, that was the whole point. They got much bigger land. No, they got like most of Syria and half of Germany. No, they got they got huge portions of land. I mean, Pasha, by the way, the Chizkuni, there's a nice Chizkuni as to why they're doing this. Moshe Rabbeinu was upset. Like, why are they asking for land outside of Israel? So the Chizkuni says it's because they knew Moshe Rabbeinu was going to die there. And they, did, and they didn't want him to be alone. So they didn't want to tell it to him because they felt it would make him feel bad. So they said this whole Cheshbon that they want uh, farmland. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu is all upset, but they, they can't tell him, like, you know, we don't want to leave you. Anyway, the kids in Emirates. So that's the argument. So the first, let me just, this is important. Okay, this is important. The evolution is as follows. Rav Meir feels the second Pasuk is to tell you, it's completely extra to tell you, Tanai Kafel. That the Tanai has to be yes and then no. Rav Hanina Begamliel in the Mishnah says, the second Pasuk is not extra. It's to tell you that you get some land. Because I might think if you don't fight, you get nothing. Rav Meir says, you get nothing? He's like, okay, revise. I might think you get land outside of Israel, but that's a really small percentage. Okay. Now we're going to say, so that's, so Rechanina ben Gamliel in the Mishnah says that if not for the second Pasuk, I would think you get nothing. Rechanina ben Gamliel in the Gemara amended it, and he says, no, 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 I wouldn't think you get nothing. I knew you'd get something. I just didn't think, I might think you get a twelfth of the land of Syria. Kamash all of it. Okay. Tanya, now what, what, what's going to happen over here, this little Gemara, it seems a little confusing, but this Gemara is that Rechanina ben Gamliel who again feels that the second Pasuk is not extra to tell you tonight, Kafel. It's, it's necessary to teach you what might happen if you don't go in, 
Right? If you don't go in, in the Mishnah, he says, you'll get nothing. Or in the Gemara's amend, uh, amended, if you don't go in, you'll get a twelfth. Kamashmo in the second passage is saying, if you don't go in, you'll get a regular share in Israel. You know. Rochanin ben Gamliel gave a mashal. Um, just uh, illustrating his point of how the second passage is extra. This mashal is like his version of the Gemara, not his version of the Mishnah. That's why it's a little tricky. Again, in the Mishnah, Rechanu Gamliel says the second Pasuk is not extra. It's to tell you that if you don't fight, you get something. Because I might think you get nothing. Come on, you get something. Ramirez says, how could you think you get nothing? He says, okay, you're right. I might think that you get, if you don't fight, you get land outside of Israel, but a small percentage. Come on, if you don't fight, you get a land in Israel. So Rechanu Gamliel is going to give a mashal to his opinion. But the mashal is going to be more comparable to the Gemara's amendment than to his Mishnah's version. Okay. It's just tricky if you don't realize that. But once you see that, so the Gemara is doing okay, fine. Let's see. Tanya. A mushal for why the second statement of Moshe Rabbeinu is not extra to tell you tonight, couple. It's to tell you that you'll still get something. What's the mushal? You have a father who's giving out land to his children. First plot of land, he says, My son, my first son, Ruvain, will inherit the first land. Okay. Shimon will get the second one. Now, regarding Levi, if he pays 200 Zos, he'll get the land. If he doesn't pay, if he doesn't pay, it's not that he gets nothing, he'll have to share the first two. So that's why so he says like this, so says the second statement is not superfluous. It's to explain what happens if he doesn't. Meaning, that's Rechamim Gamliel's whole point. Remeyer feels the second statement is obvious. I could figure it out. Rechamim Gamliel says, no, no, no. I need to explain what happens if you don't do it. So now, what, what is the mashal? The mashal is, you got three, bro- three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven gets plot, plot A. Shimon gets plot B. Levi, if you pay me $200, you'll get land C. If you don't pay me $200, you share land A and B with them. So, Okay. Now, land A and B or land C with it? Land A and B with it. Land land C. You don't get it. No, you don't get it. Land C doesn't go to anybody. Doesn't, well, it would go. I don't know. That's the marshal. He says, land C only if you pay, you'll get land C. If not, you'll share A and B with everybody else. Now, here's the point. This is not Rochanina Megamlil of the Mishnah. Because Rochanina Megamlil of the Mishnah said, what would I think? If they fight... They get land outside of Israel, and if they don't fight, they get zero. These, the third brother, Levi, he's definitely getting something, right? What are the options? If he pays, he gets land C. If he doesn't pay, he shares land A and B. That's what Chavim is his marshal for our case in the Mishnah. That is more comparable to the amendment of the Gemara than to the Mishnah's version of Because again, the Mishnah's version is that if Moshe Rabbeinu would have stopped talking, this is how I would read it. If you fight, you'll get land outside of Israel. And if you don't fight, you get zero. He's like, okay, if you fight, then you get land outside of Israel. And if you don't fight, you'll get a percentage of that land, a small percentage. So this concept where, so what's the marshal? The marshal is, Levi, if you pay money, you'll get land C. And if not, you'll share, you'll share with everybody else. So either way, Levi's getting land. So this is not the Mishnah's version of Chanmi Gamliel, because according to him, the way I'd understand Moshe Rabbeinu's statement, if he didn't say the second part, was that if they don't fight, they get zero. This is more the Gemara's amendment of Chanmi Gamliel. Okay. Um, <clears throat> fine. Fine, 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 fine. Yeah. 
Says the Gemara, the Gemara speaks it out. This mashal is not exactly comparable to Hanina Begamliel's version of the Mishnah. In the Mishnah of Hanina Begamliel says that if Klal Yisrael, if they didn't fight, if without the second statement, I would think if they don't fight, they get nothing. But our, but the mushal, the mushal is saying that if he doesn't pay, he still gets something. So it's not exactly the same. The Gemara responds like Kasha. You're right. The Mishnah's version was before Chanina Gamliel amended his explanation. In the Mishnah, he meant he was saying that if Ramosh Rabbeinu didn't make his second statement, you'd think they get nothing. To that, Rav Meir responded, then why do you have to have the second pasuk? Why do you have to say the words Eretz Kanan? Just say Venoch Zubisochachem. Rachamim says, okay, good point, good point. I would think, not that they get nothing, I would think they only get a small sliver of the land. Kamash Malan. Okay. So this, this mashal is more comparable to the Gemara's version of Chanin Begamliel than the Mishnah. Okay, fine. From here into the rest of the um, Amid, it's dealing with the following uh, premise. According to Rav Meir, every single stipulation throughout Tanakh must be kafal. You have to say the positive, and then you say the negative. Rechanei Gamliel doesn't believe in that. He says the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu said both is because it was to teach you something. We're going to go through Tanakh, and we're going to find examples of positive and negative, where it's seemingly unnecessary, which is a proof to Rav Meir. And we're going to try to figure out how, to, uh, how, do the Rav, how does Rav Hanina understand this. Let's see in the Gemara inside. The Gemara says, Bishlam Rav Meir, I understand according to Rav Meir that every Tanai just has to be kofel. Hainu dechsev, that's what the Pasuk says. Right? We have in the sixth parasha. It's always nice when the parasha coexists with uh, the daf. Hashem says to Kayan, right? Kayan brings a carbon. Hashem does not like the carbon. What does Hashem say to Kayan? Careful. Imtetiv says, if you do good, meaning you're getting depressed and you're getting upset. Imtetiv says, if you do good, you'll succeed. Vimloi seitiv, but if you go down this negative path, lepesach hatarovitz, you're going down a bad path. Why does Hashem have to say the positive or the negative? What does Hashem say to Kayan? If you do good, you'll be good. Okay, I get it. And if I don't do good, I won't be good. Hashem has to specifically say, and if you do bad, you're going to be doing two sins. Why, why do you have to say both? The answer is HaKadosh Baruch Hu was following our mayor. That the way a person talks is you have to say the positive and then the negative. So it's a riot to Rameir. But according to you don't, you never have to do the positive and the negative unless there's something teaching, unless you're learning something from it. So why did Hashem have to say, And if you don't stay positive, you're going down a negative path. Why did Hashem have to do that? So the Gemara says, Huh? Stay positive. It's not going to be the opposite. If you do good, Oh, that's the Gemara's response. You might think, you might think that what Hashem was saying to Kain, if you do good, good, but if you don't do good, you'll stay neutral. No, there's no neutrality. You're either good or bad. Meaning, if, if, if Hashem didn't say that out, I would think that Hashem is saying to Kain, listen, if you do good, good, and if you don't do good, you'll probably be okay. Hashem is saying, no, 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 you're not going to be okay. I'm looking that there's two paths in front of you. There's no neutrality anymore. It's Another one. Like huh? It's not like Rav Meir. Correct. That's how Rav Hanina would interpret the Pesukim. Another one. Right. The Pesuk describes how Avram Avinu is sending Eliezer to find a wife for Rivka. And what does he say? He says, uh, what's the Pesuk? The Pesuk says, 
Uh, the Where's the full pasuk? The full pasuk is as follows. The pasuk says, "Az tinakem ielasi ki tavi al mishpachti v'mloyit nulach v'ayis anaki mielasi." Eliezer is saying, "I made an oath to Avraham that I'm going to go find them a wife, and if she wants to come, I'll take her. And if she doesn't want to come, then I'm exempt." Why do you have to say it? again? It's the same thing. If she wants to come, then I'll be, then I'll, I'll, I'll do my job. And if she doesn't want to come, then I'm exempt. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay. I, I figured it out. So it's a proof to our mayor. What do you need this inverse for? The answer is Itzrich. It was necessary for Avram to stipulate. Again, Avram is stipulating that if she wants to go with you, then you have to take her back. And if not, then you're free of your oath. Why do you have to say that? The answer is, you might think, let's say the situation is that Rivka wanted to come back with you. But her family does not consent. You might think, that you should drag her against the family's will. Kamash Malan. Meaning Avram Avinu was saying the second part, not just to speak it out. Avram Avinu is saying, listen, if she wants to come with you, good. If they don't want her to go with you, meaning if someone doesn't want, then, then you're exempt. Meaning I do not, Avram Avinu is saying, do not take her by force. And not her force against her will. Force against the family's will. Do n- no force involved. Everyone has to be believed Shalom. So the second statement is not just the inverse. Avram Avinu is trying to portray that. Okay, another one. Imloi taive ishalamali. Well, then uh, the next pasuk, the, the, uh, later on the pasuk, when Eliezer is retelling, right? The first is Avram Avinu talking to him, and when Eliezer is retelling it, he says the same thing. So why does he have to say the same thing? The answer is Itzrich. When Eliezer was saying it, he also did the positive and negative. The reason is not because of but the reason was as follows. Avram Avinu was telling Eliezer, if she wants to come back with you, but the family does not, do not take her against their will. Eliezer is now explaining, what about the opposite? What if the family wants her to marry Yitzchak, but she doesn't want? Do not take her against her will. So the second statement is not superfluous, it's to explain, when Avram Avinu told Eliezer, it's that if the family is not masking, do not take her will, and when Eliezer retold it, he was explaining the inverse. What if she doesn't want, but the family wants? Also don't take her against the will. Everyone has to be believed, Shalom. Okay, another one. Right? The Pasuk says, right? If you follow in my ways, good. And then what does Hashem say? And if you don't, bad. Uh, yeah, why do you need the inverse? I get it. So the Gemara says, it's it's needed. This is what Gavin said before. If the Pasuk just said, if you follow my ways, you'll get a bracha, I could look at it. And if you don't, meaning, Hashem is offering you, listen, you keep the Torah, you'll get bracha. You don't keep the Torah? No, no bracha, no klala. No, 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 no. There's no options. There's no neutrality anymore. You keep the Torah, good. If you don't keep the Torah, curse. There's no, there's no more, there's no third path. It's yes or no. And Hashem wanted to explain that. So it's not extra to tell you, it's Hashem's way of saying, we're, we're past the path of uh, neutrality. It's yes or no. There's no power of anymore. One more. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe two more. The Pasuk says in Yeshaya, if you're willing and listen to my words, right, you'll follow the Navi. But if you refuse and rebel, again, if you listen to my words, good things, and if you rebel, bad things. The question is again, why do you have to say the inverse? I get it, I get it, I understand. 
If I do good, good, and I can figure out what happens. So this is a proof to a mayor that every tonight must be B'nai God, B'nai Reuven has to be the positive and the negative. The answer is no. It's itself that I mean, Im Taiva, Taiva, Im Timanu, Lai Taiva, Lai Ra, Kamash Malan, the same answer we had before, which is that Yeshai is telling Kalal Yisrael, there's no more neutral. There's not an option. Taira is not neutral. It's not that if you keep the Taira, you get good, and if you don't keep the Taira, you just don't get good. No. If you don't keep the Taira, you get bad. So understand that. Now we'll end with this. The Pasuk, because we mentioned that Pasuk, we'll, we'll, we'll quote the, the Pasuk is as follows. Im ushmatim if you listen to my words, then the land will be good. Vim timanu, but if you rebel against me, cherev you'll be devoured by the sword. Okay. So what's, what does it mean, devoured by the sword? Amirava, milcha gelolina nahama desayri akushu b'tzali. You'll eat coarse salt, hard bread made of barley flour and onions. What does it mean that they'll be devoured by the sword? It doesn't actually mean that a sword. It doesn't mean you'll be attacked. It means that you'll have poverty in Eretz Yisrael. You won't, and you'll eat the, these foods which are damaging to the body like a sword. I'm stopping to pick it up in tomorrow position.